1: Hey guys, welcome back to Yappy Hour, a podcast about navigating the waters of young adulthood through discussions of pop culture, existential crises, and self-reflection. I'm Kat. I'm Leah. And I'm Mia. And today we'll be talking about something that's very relevant as young working adults, but also kind of a taboo subject, which is finance and budgeting. So to start off, we'll briefly describe our current financial states. Um, I would say mine is pretty stable i mean i have a stable income from my job i live pretty comfortably i have like a good cushion of savings for emergencies or if i want to take like a a trip somewhere so i think i have like enough money to cover the bases and then a little more
2: yeah, so on the topic of being taboo, I think finances kind of stress me out. Um, it's just something that I feel like I've always been hyper aware of in making like decisions about things, be it college, be it where to live after college, and all of that. Um, so I do agree that it's very taboo, and it's not something often discussed, but along the same lines of cat, I'd say I'm fairly comfortable in that the only expenses right now are myself, um, and on top of my 9 to 5, I have a couple side gigs, which is just babysitting, is rollo- rollover families from college who still ask me since I'm in the area. And so that gives me a nice cushion of luxurious spending as needed.
3: I think my financial situation is a little bit different than Kat and Leah's because um, last month I actually left my job. So unlike them, I don't have a stable income. That being said, I would still say that I my situation is pretty comfortable just because I saved I'm just a saver. I save a lot of money, and so um basically, for all the time that I was at my job, I was always saving a big portion of my paycheck per um month, and that also, in addition to that, like my living expenses are on relatively on the more affordable side of Los Angeles so all in all, um I would say that i i am pretty comfortable even though I don't have a source of income. Um, And I think that proves that, like, you can be comfortable financially and not have a full-time job, if that makes sense, if you've set it up properly.
1: I think Mia brought an interesting point up, which is that Los Angeles is very expensive to live in. It's incredibly expensive to live here just for rent. And also, like, everything, including, like, gas and, like, food and entertainment, Um, I feel like a typical meal here is between like $15 and $20, which can be really expensive in other areas, and for rent, if you live in West LA, it can be, for your own place, it can be an upwards of like almost $2,000 a month, whereas if you have roommates, that will cushion the cost a little bit, but you have to, you know, kind of give up things like in-unit laundry or, you know, like your own bathroom, so... I think that's just something to keep in mind.
2: Yeah, I remember when I was first deciding whether or not I wanted to stay in LA for work, the cost of living was a huge factor in whether or not I could stay. And I remember when I was applying to jobs, um, trying to figure out what I was going to do, that I had to have that real conversation with my mom saying, hey, if I don't get a job here, I need help at least maybe giving myself a two-month buffer to help pay for rent or moving back home but it was really hard and it's an awkward conversation to have because after college i feel like there's this expectation that you're just thrown into the workforce with a good paying job and you're 100 percent self-sufficient and that's really not always the case
1: so i actually went to ucla and westwood is the most expensive area in all of los angeles I remember living in a triple so that's you know a room with two other people and I paid $650 and that was to share a room with two other people and I also shared the bathroom with my roommates and one other person so it's just crazy expensive to live in Los Angeles honestly but I wanted to kind of shift gears and ask Mia um, so after you graduate did you still expect any financial support from your parents
3: when I graduated college, uh, I was pretty set on trying to be as financially independent as possible. So um, that basically meant finding a place that I could afford with the savings that I had and then getting, you know, money here and there from my from my mom. But for the most part, uh, I was completely financially independent other than, you know, like cell phone bills um and like stuff that was I was already like grandfathered into um but for the most part yeah everything I I was it was really important to me that I was financially independent because I was choosing to stay in LA and that was a more difficult choice like if I had moved home that would have been sort of an easier decision but I was choosing to live independently so I want to make sure I could afford it for myself it was honestly probably a pride thing but um yeah so that's kind of how I've always lived out here just trying to be as financially independent as possible
2: I agree that staying in LA was definitely a my choice type of decision, but at the same time, I think it was also agreed upon, not agreed upon, it was also kind of known that I would stay in LA because there's just so much more job opportunity. And so once you graduate, it's really hard finding a job in Hawaii, I would say, for someone right out of college. It's so hospitality heavy, customer service based, that it's really hard if you want to break into something like finance or um, a specialty skill set that's not related to tourism. So for me, staying in LA was kind of a given. I allowed myself, um, after discussing with my parents in case that happened, worst case scenario, that I'd give myself a couple months buffer to see how it would turn out. But eventually, I did get a job, Um, it worked out in the end, and once my mom figured out I had a job and how much I was making or going to make, she said, here's your phone bill, you're off the plan, and also you're not on our Costco membership anymore. So she basically kicked me out the door,
1: and that was the start of my financial independence. That's definitely the way to do it. I feel like I do see a lot of people our age moving home, and I'm not sure if they're paying rent, but I feel like more often than not, they aren't. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, if their parents are telling them, oh, you can live here for free. And some of them are pursuing other things like taking gap years between undergrad and med school. So they have to save up money for med school. So that's understandable. But sometimes I just think like, isn't that kind of moving backwards, like moving back home after you graduate? So for me, it was kind of the same as me and Leah, where I knew I didn't want to move back home. I knew that the opportunity was elsewhere. And also I just didn't want to kind of fall into that comfortable cycle of going back home, having my parents cook for me, having a car to fill up with gas, having the money to fill up the car with gas, and just kind of falling back on them. I feel like they did enough for me already by paying for my college, so I didn't want to ask for anything more. Um, The only thing that my parents do still pay for is my phone bill. They haven't kicked me off the plan yet, like Leah's mom did. But I'm also on my dad's health insurance still, just because it's convenient for me to be on it. He's a doctor. Um, but I also have my own health insurance through my work as well, but as far as everything else from living expensive, even flying home, which is really expensive, I still pay for all of those things on my own, and I just, I just don't feel like it's in my place to ask my parents for money anymore. I know that some of the people my age, like one of my coworkers, her parents still pay for her flights home, and I was just kind of thrown off by that, I think, because I feel like If you're going to be financially independent, why not just like end up paying for everything, you know? But again, her parents do offer to pay for it. So I think that's okay. But if my parents, personally, if my parents offered to pay for those kind of big ticket items, I would be like, oh no, it's okay. I have the money to do it. So I'm going to do it.
2: I think that's an interesting segue into my perception of money when I was in college versus now, because when I was in college, I 1000% expected my parents to pay for my tickets home. And I was actually in a weird financial situation where I had probably a lot of money saved from my dad's social security because he's older. So I had a nice cushion in college, but unlike my sister who had her education paid for, I had to take out loans. So that was kind of my money for that. So my mom would always kind of say, Hey, we know you have money. Like we want you to pay for this. So that was always a really weird kind of discussion for me because it's hard being in college and you really don't have much income. I had a work-study job that paid minimum wage and with college life that goes really quickly. And so nowadays, obviously I pay for my own flights home, but it's that weird gray area between knowing, okay, I have small sources of income, but what am I responsible for now when you're in college as a young adult?
3: I had also a similar experience in college when it came to finances. I think because so much of college is built into your tuition in a sense so like living expenses was built into tuition and like food was built if you chose to built into tuition so I didn't really have to worry about the two most important parts of living which were living in a a shelter and feeding myself so because of that like any money that I made with side jobs or side gigs or whatever I just felt like I could blow that money Um, I had just more financial freedom. I just felt like, oh, this is extra income. I can go out to dinner now. I can splurge on a gift or something. And so when I graduated college and actually had like rent and utilities and insurance and all these new expenses, then um, I think that's where my I don't know, that's where I just started thinking really consciously about money and thinking about what was an appropriate amount to save, what was an appropriate amount to spend. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I just think college is, in a lot of ways, just a shelter for all those things. But, um, yeah, now I would say I'm more financially smart and aware.
1: So I think my perception of money has kind of stayed the same from when I was young till now. Um, The way I was raised, we were kind of raised like we were I guess my mom would she kind of taught us like not to spend money on anything that we don't need unless we like really really want it or we've earned it or you know we've kind of we felt like that expense was going to pay off in the end in that if that makes sense so I kind of grew up without like spending money on anything that we didn't need and I feel like kind of I kind of took that into like my adult life so I remember my boyfriend would always like whenever I wanted to buy something nice he'd be like oh yeah just buy it like I know you have the money for it but that's not how I was raised I was raised like always saving money and always just kind of like really debating if I needed it or not and I think I kind of it was really hard for me to transition out of that mindset because I did want to buy a lot of nice things but I was always like oh I don't I don't think I deserve that right now or, or I don't think I should like be spending my savings on that and I mean you shouldn't be spending your savings on that kind of thing but it's not like I didn't have my savings and a little bit extra to spend on those things. So I think that's kind of just how I went through, like high school and college, was not really allowing myself to splurge on things. But I'm kind of transitioning out of that. Um, I went to Japan for two weeks a couple of months ago, so that was kind of my way of like rewarding myself because I like needed a break. But for the most part, I feel like I save a good portion of like my money.
2: I think being in college, when you're looking for jobs, there's also this weird gap in knowledge on not knowing how much you should get paid because i remember applying for jobs and i had no perception of like living expenses i remember looking at apartments and i was thinking how can i ever make ends meet monthly at this cost of rent and not knowing if i can get a stable job so what when you graduated what did you guys think was a suitable pay or what were your expectations coming out of school with a degree
3: So when I graduated college, I had never had, like, a full-time job in the sense that, like, I was paid salary over the course of a year, obviously, because I was a student. So up until that point, I was mostly getting paid hourly. So it was really hard when graduating, knowing what, like, a yearly amount um, should be, especially with, you know, tax bracket and all that, so how much we were going to be losing. So truthfully, when I graduated, I thought, like, 40 k was, like, A good like if I got forty k, I was like, okay, I'm good. Like this, that's the most money I'd seen in my life, like forty thousand dollars. When before I had been getting paid like hourly, like twelve an hour or something. So the idea of getting paid forty k a year was like a dream. But then you see that that is not real, because um, so much of it goes to taxes, and whatever doesn't go to taxes doesn't nearly cover your living expenses, and whatever, I mean, if it does cover your living expenses, then you have nothing left over to either save or spend, so I soon realized into my first job out of college, where I was getting paid closer to that amount, that that was not a livable wage, Um, and I actually just learned last night that um, there was this... Study done and basically found: in order to live happily in LA, you need to make making at least one hundred twenty thousand dollars. I believe that. Yeah, a year. So I feel like
2: it's never enough.
3: But that's the minimum. That's the minimum. If you're not making, if you're making less than one hundred twenty k, like you're basically like you're roughing it basically, you know, it's not a comfortable living salary. And I I think that's absolutely true because even the following job where I was getting paid more than 40K, it still wasn't enough. And I know people that are making closer to 100K and it's still not enough. So it's it's hard and I've come to realize my worth too. So I don't think, I no longer think that 40K is a lot of money. I kind of want to challenge that because I feel like with what I get paid, I'd
1: I'm pretty sure I don't get paid as much as, you know, a lot of my peers. I still feel like I'm living very comfortably in L.A., but I think it's because I, first of all, I don't have a car, so I take the bus everywhere. I live close to my work, so that bus commute is, like, not that bad at all. Um, My work pays for most of my health insurance, and I don't mind having roommates. So I feel like out of all those things, that's why I live comfortably now, but I do agree that I think to live comfortably at a bit of an older age where I want to like live alone and have all these like nice things I do think 120k would be the minimum but at this time like as like you know fresh out of college I think I'm living pretty comfortably with what I have but to answer Leah's question I was kind of the same as Mia. I had no idea like where where the starting rate was I guess I just like I got my pay for my job and I was like "Mm, yeah I think this is enough and like you know I had maybe like a little bit extra a month to spend um Luckily, my work uh, gave a lot of raises, so I definitely have a lot more money than I did when I first graduated. But it was—I feel like it's a hard thing to gauge. Like, I don't—I feel like a lot of freshly graduated out of college people don't don't know how much their work is worth, and they don't know how to like assign a value to that. So i, I do think maybe some people are taken advantage of like they probably take a lower pay than they know they deserve and as they as they work um as they gain experience i feel like maybe they'll realize you know i'm not getting as paid as much as i should be but i think that's like it's also a really hard thing to ask for a raise i've never asked for a raise, and i think that's ter- uh, that's really terrifying but i know that people like struggle with that too like some people like don't get raises that often and i don't know how you would really assign a value to like how much you should get a raise for you know
2: Yeah, I think that's a really great point that we're not taught how to negotiate our value. We're just kind of like thrown into the education system and expected to get a degree, but what's the value of that degree and how do we kind of fend for ourselves? Um, And so I totally agree that my perception of wage was completely skewed. I did work throughout high school and college, so I was used to minimum wage. And I remember I did get a job offer full-time, post-grad for twelve dollars an hour, and I was gonna take it honestly. If it weren't for me talking to a bunch of other people, like my rugby coach, my parents, um, I just felt so desperate for a job. And like, even though I knew that the skill set, like I could definitely fulfill that and mark all those boxes, but it just felt like I was grasping for anything to be able to live in LA. But obviously, I didn't take that job, <laughs> and I'm very thankful I didn't. But I think, in hindsight, it's laughable that it was even an option for someone with a college degree to be offered $12 an hour.
1: I think it's also important to consider like the benefits that you get at a job because sometimes you know, you might get, be getting paid a decent amount, but you don't get very good benefits, so you don't get a 401k. So for all the people out there listening to this that are like still in college, just know your worth. And know that when you get a job offer, it is acceptable to negotiate for that, so if you like you, if you get a pay a starting pay a lot of the time they'll give you an offer with a lower pay than you probably deserve because they they want you they expect you to negotiate for a higher pay.
2: I know it's taboo to talk to other people about money, but I think I completely agree with Cat that you should be able to negotiate you should be able to talk to your peers, you should be able to see what other people are getting paid or being offered, and being able to discuss that and be. Have a fair playing field with your worth. So when I was looking for pay, my biggest expense that I was worried about was actually my student loans. And so that was a big factor that went into my financial decision and my expenses. So I guess as our lifestyle, we're all fairly stable and comfortable. Um, What do you think your biggest expense is currently? Minus student loans because I chose to expedite my payoff schedule because I really don't want to be in debt. And so that was my choice.
3: I think besides the obvious one, which is like rent, because rent is just always going to be high when you're renting and not like financing something um, or like buying something is going to be high. So yeah, rent is pretty high for me in terms of my highest, but like expenses. But I think second, and it's a very close second, is just like having a car in L.A., like financing the car, paying for the insurance, paying for gas, um, stuff like that, you know, service checks, all that. Like having a car is super expensive. And I definitely didn't know that or anticipate that when I got my car, just how reoccurring these expenses would be. Insurance alone, I think I'm paying close to like, like $1,200 uh every six months. So it's, it's a hefty amount. And yeah, so I think it's like $200 a month. But still, I mean, it's not something that you necessarily use all the time, so you don't see the point of it, if it makes sense. It's not like you're getting something immediately back um, in your investment. But, yeah, just having a car is really expensive, and transportation and moving around L.A., is it can be, it can be pricey. So I feel very fortunate to not
1: have any student loans and also to not have a car. Um, so I'd say for me like big purchases are made not often but when they're big purchases they're big purchases so for example flights home you know that's at least 600 to 700 dollars a year spent on a flight a round-trip flight back uh, from here to Hawaii and back and then other big expenses that I've just had during the year were like <laughs> music festivals like Coachella I went to one called day in Vegas and honestly I don't know, I don't really pay for much more than like rent and groceries, but I think growing up, you know, I was taught to save, so I do save a lot of money when it comes to myself, but I also like to spend a lot on other people, I feel like, like the value of a gift for another person, like spending, you know, twice or triple the amount that I usually spend on myself is justified because it's for someone else, so I'd also say I spend a lot on gifts for other people or treating people out. So I guess those uh, big purchases aren't really like necessary for my life, but um, I guess kind of switching over to that, um, Mia and Leah, what are kind of things that you, you spend on that aren't really necessities, but you're willing to spend money on? So I
2: agree that I don't buy a lot of things and When it comes to spending money, I don't mind spending a little bit more for an experience. So for example, I also went to the Day in Vegas Music Festival, and it was my first music festival, and it's not cheap, but because of the people we were going with and the experience it offered me, I was more than willing to pay that price to do an activity. And I think in general, I am more willing to spend money on experiences and things that offer me memories than things.
3: I'm also in the same boat like I don't spend my money on like material things per se like I don't buy clothes often I don't buy unnecessary like knickknacks here and there um I like to spend my money on experiences on travel mostly on food for me like eating out is an experience so I'm always down to spend money (laughs) going out to dinner if I know I'm gonna enjoy the meal and um Yeah, if it's going to make me happy. Um, But yeah, I definitely don't spend my money on like material items like makeup or clothes or um, even gifts really. (laughs) But yeah, I just don't, I I don't do it just because yeah, those things don't bring me happiness in the long run. And I much rather spend it on, like Leah was saying, experiences and travel. um, Things that push me in a different way than material items would.
1: actually that one meme where it's like, i don't know how to describe it, it's like a picture of the same girl and the the first picture is like her kind of disgusted and the second picture is like hmm okay yeah that's like a good idea, but the first picture was like spending forty dollars on a shirt and she's like no But then it's like spending $40 on food. And she's like, yeah, okay. And I I definitely like resonate with that. Like, like Mia said, like, I don't really, when I see a t-shirt that's like $30, I'm like, oh, no way. But like a meal that's $30. I'm like, yeah, what a steal. That was a good experience.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think anyone listening out there, it's just depends on your lifestyle and what you grow up with, what you're used to, but it's your money and you should be able to use it how you
1: please. I think another interesting thing to think about is how people value things. Because I used to be the type of person to buy really cheap things and a lot of it, for example, I used to buy like cheap, cheap, really cheap leggings for yoga and I was like, oh yeah, like I don't want to spend like $100 on the Lululemons because like, I don't, I just don't see the value of that. But I actually found that it's better in this case to spend more money on something that you're going to use a lot. So I used to think like bras were super expensive. But if you think about how much you use them, it's like, it's worth it. So actually, I found out that the leggings I would buy were super uncomfortable, but I would put up with it because I was like, I only spent 20 bucks on this. Like, I'm really saving a lot. But in the end, I actually caved and I bought some Lulu's. And I've been using the same ones for like upwards of over a year. And like, they've lasted that long. So if you just kind of do like the math and think about how much you use something, like I use these leggings at least you know, once a week. So that's really already like less than $2 per use. So I kind of have like to think about that when I think of luxury items to like do the math and see how much I'll use it. So yeah, I guess speaking of like how we spend our money, it'd be kind of interesting to look through our recent credit card purchases and see what kind of things we spend our money on.
2: Yeah, let's take a break from the heavy stuff. I feel like we talk about the expenses and how it can be burdensome, but let's take a light break and pull up our recent credit card purchases and see what the most expensive or most recent things we've purchased are and do they line up with what we're
3: talking about.
1: Spoiler alert, I'm, I'm really a boring spender. So
3: um, so I th- my most recent purchase um, is actually a subscription to AMC. Movie theaters. So the, I pay twenty three ninety five a month for AMC, and I get to go to three movies a week. Which, to me, as an individual, this is worth it because I see movies every single weekend. Um, and it's one of the it's one of the activities that I love to do and makes me really happy. So I've always been okay with having like a movie subscription package because I use it a lot. So um, so movies, and then another one is. We went to a Venice art walk slash food truck thing the other night, and so I bought a lobster roll, which is probably overpriced, but I like lobster, so I bought that. Most of my expenses, though, like if I, it breaks it down, so my bank breaks it down, and I'll open this up right now, and the 41% of my total spending is on food.
2: You know how spotify does a wrap up of your playlist there's this meme going around like oh if spotify did a wrap up of your finances in the year it's like 60 percent of your purchases were late night taco
1: bell (laughs) crunch wraps (laughs) like
2: like i imagine that's what mine would look like (laughs) cat do you have anything interesting in there
1: all right as i said i'm very predictable and very boring so my last five purchases were an online uh purchase it was actually a gift for someone breakfast burrito so food um fries more food um groceries and then ice cream so i think (laughs) my my like kind of guilty pleasure you know mine is definitely ice cream like six bucks for ice cream like yeah i'll do that any day but i just when you think about it six dollars for ice cream is actually so expensive like if you just buy a tub from the store that is six dollars so I kind of need to rethink that a little bit, but I think it's an experience.
2: Yeah, do what makes you happy. There's artisan flavors out there, and those are bomb. Do
1: what makes you happy. Go to Starbucks every morning. It's fine, you know?
2: (laughs) True. (laughs) I still do, so don't worry. (laughs) So my biggest one, I honestly, I use my credit card a lot, and I just kind of, because I know I can pay it off in full, I just kind of put everything on it, even if I could pay cash. Um, But mine, I actually have a big one pending, and it's, let me do math. I had to buy two separate purchases because I forgot something. But it's almost
0: 300 Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important.
2: Hundred dollars and it is for three soccer tickets. And so that's kind of like my willingness to pay for an experience and I love the women's national team and they're coming to California to possibly qualify for the Olympics and it happens to be the weekend my mom is in town and so I decided to splurge and purchase us some seats to go watch them and so that's pending on my credit card and it's a big one but I 1000% think it's worth it because I love soccer my mom's coming to LA and it's something we can do together.
1: So, Leo, you mentioned how you put all your expenses on your credit card, and I honestly think that's a smart thing to do because, you know, most, if not all, credit cards have some sort of point system, so I kind of wanted to open up the conversation to what kind of, like, cards we all have. Um, I guess I'll go first. I have (laughs) a Capital One Quicksilver card, and whenever people see it, they're like, oh, what is that? Like, because it looks super ghetto, but honestly... My dad just told me to get it. He thought it was, like, the best thing for me to have coming out of college. Um, and it's uh, 1.5% cash back on all purchases, no matter where you buy from. And that that's it. Like, there's no, like, you know, 3% on groceries and dining or, like, any other kind of reward. That's it. And whenever I tell people that, they're like, oh, why don't you, you know, get a different type of card? Why don't you do, like, one that has points, you know? Um, a lot of people told me to get the Chase Reserve because I travel a lot, but honestly I debated for a really long time about it um and I decided not to get that mostly because for me I don't see the I don't see really the value in paying an annual fee for something when I'm not really a big spender anyway um like a lot of people say oh well you know if you pay the annual fee like you're still getting like more out of it but like after like looking at my lifestyle, I didn't see justification to pay for a credit card, so I just kind of have the, a credit card with no annual fee, cash back on everything, so no matter what I purchase, I can, you know, kind of get those rewards, and I don't know, I feel like I have some coworkers who, like, have two or three different credit cards, and they, they really try to squeeze every single benefit out of it, like, if they're, like, going to a store to buy, like, a certain product, they will use the credit card that will get them the most amount of points. And well, I think that is really smart, I just think that's honestly too much effort for me, so I'd rather just have like a cash back card for everything.
2: I think that's a good point that – I'm um, so I also actually have two to three credit cards, but I think it just depends on what your lifestyle is. I mean, you said you spend most of your money on food and groceries. I do have a travel card for Hawaiian Airlines because I actually do go home a couple times a year, and so I at least like to build some miles that way. But I think it just depends for everyone, and I do have a cashback card as well. I think that's a good baseline because you're spending money, but you're also getting some of it back, and you can't lose with that.
3: Yeah, I am in the same boat. I have I have three credit cards, two that I pay, one that is an emergency credit card I link to my mother. So um, the two that I have that I pay are uh, cashback card that gives again like cat said a 1.5 percent on everything and then another one for JetBlue, which is a points card um and then the one that is my emergency card which is my mom's is a delta card so um all in all basically uh i always pay my credit card off in full i just don't want that debt hanging over me so i make sure that i'm only spending when i can afford um, and like Leah, I only, I use my credit card for everything. I rarely have cash and I never use my debit card unless it's for gas. Um, just cause I want the cash back or the points or whatever reward you're getting. And I actually really want to get the Apple card, <laughs> but, um, I can't justify yet getting another credit card, but I do want it. Um, but I would say, yeah, for anyone who doesn't have a credit card or is thinking about it, like honestly, I absolutely would do it. It helps you build credit. Um, it helps you just like regulate your finances. There's obviously a lot of risk and downside um, with a credit card as well. It's You could get into trouble really quickly with a credit card, but um, you do need a credit score for quite a lot. So I would say if you're contemplating it, just do it and be responsible.
1: Yeah, you should definitely get your credit card as soon as possible. So I actually got a credit card when I first went to college. Um, it was kind of like under my dad because I obviously had no credit so I couldn't apply for my own but that's really smart to do because as Mia said you need a credit score for a lot of things and one of the big things is for a living you need a credit score to rent something so definitely start your credit line as soon as possible and just do your research. Um, I feel like personally <laughs> personally I never like, solve the problem with people who got in trouble with credit cards, you know, got into too much credit card debt to pay off, because for me, I guess because of how I was raised, I never spent more than I knew I had. So I kind of treated my credit card almost like a debit card. Like, I knew I had this much money, so I cannot spend more than that. So yeah, just be, like, smart with your savings, and credit cards are, are really good to have, especially, like, none of us really use our debit cards anywhere, and using your debit card isn't bad but it can get you in trouble if like a system gets hacked or something because if someone has your debit card they have like all of your banking information whereas if they have your credit card like you know you can cancel it your your money isn't directly linked to it so it's like a lot safer to use a credit card online and in stores
2: so on the topic you brought up a good point that people get in trouble with credit cards and i think that it's not something that's often talked about like there was no personal finance class i never took something in high school i never took something in college everything i know is from talking to my parents talking to my friends or google and so if anyone out there i think you should just be careful on opening too many credit cards because every time they do a credit check and that hurts your credit so be careful with opening credit cards And my other financial piece of advice is be smart about your expenses. Like, you know yourself best. You know what you're spending money on. You know what your triggers are. So, just know yourself and be careful with your money because you worked hard for that.
1: And also, one last thing to add if you do open, you know, like multiple accounts, just be sure to check them every so often. Because I had a friend who he had like three to four credit cards and he wouldn't really check them. And he actually got a charge like every month for some scam. And he didn't notice it until he was actually like had his account open once. And I looked at it and I was like, hey, what's that charge? And it was like for like maybe like seven bucks. And he was like, oh, I have no idea. And we looked through his whole like credit card report. And he had been being charged for like over a year. And I was like, dude, you have to check him off. And you have to make sure all of your charges are like things you actually paid for. So I guess, you know, on that topic of kind of being smart with your money, do you guys have any like big financial goals that you've set for yourself? A big goal for me is being a homeowner someday. Um,
2: That's just one for me. And to be a homeowner, you need, I'd say average, unless you're a veteran or unless you kind of have um, certain types of loans, you need 20% down. And I don't know where I will buy a property, but I would say the average price of a property would range between 500 to a million dollars. $500,000 Five hundred thousand to a million dollars. And so that down payment can be substantial. It can range from one hundred to two hundred and can probably go up from there. So that is a big financial goal of mine. Um, and it, it starts when you're young. Like it sucks thinking about the future and kind of thinking of I have like to meet my goal I have to put away so much now or to do it consistently, but whatever the goal is, that's mine and that's something that I wanna work towards.
3: I think if you had asked me this question like a month ago, my financial goals would have been a lot different than what they are today. I think I'm trying as a person to be less money-oriented or money-driven. Like, that's my goal for this year for myself because, again, if you had asked me a month ago before I quit my job, before I traveled, it would have just been to have as much, to save, to save, to save, to be able to live comfortably and potentially one day be rich. But um, that's just not... I was I figured out that that wasn't bringing me happiness and like if I died tomorrow no one would care how much money I had in my savings account and so I'm actively trying to not be money oriented and like live what live on what I have and try to make the best with what I have and like not take not do things for the pure sake of it'll get me extra money or it'll put me in a more financially um financially better position. I'm just trying to be, I don't know, it's so cliched, but like to not be dictated by my money and to not be dictated by, um, how much we're worth per se, because I don't want to be defined by my savings account or by my salary. I just want to be defined by what I do in this life. And I, that's not to say that money doesn't make you comfortable. Cause I do think it makes you comfortable and it allows you to do certain things. I'm just trying like I was really money hungry last year, and I don't want to be that way anymore because I realized it was making me really unhappy as a person. So, yeah, this year I'm focusing on experiences, on the people that I surround myself with, and whatever job comes my way that I enjoy, whatever it pays, like I'm not going to be ruled by that anymore. So that's my financial goal is to be less financially conscious in a way. (laughs) So I'm
1: really glad Mia brought that up because I think about that a lot honestly how a lot of people are so hung up on their salary and so hung up on their retirement plans and how much they're making now so they can live it up in the future but like my argument is like why not just live it up now because as Mia said you could die tomorrow and like all your savings would be for nothing. I say this but I'm still the type to save a lot of money like I have a lot in my savings I put the max amount I can in my Roth IRA but I think Mia's goal is, like, a very, very relevant one to me because I, I'm also trying to, like, get out of the habit of not buying things just because I see the price tag and I'm like, oh, like, I don't know if I want to spend that much money on that. I want to be able to go to a restaurant and order something without looking at the price. Like, that would be really nice to do. It's a
2: financial goal. <laughs> yeah, honestly,
1: that is a big financial goal. But I guess for me, like, I don't have a car right now, so that probably is a financial goal for me. But I think yeah I think to get a car um honestly my dad bought my older brother a car when he graduated so my mom always says like my dad owes me a car you know for the fairness of his children but I think it'd be nice to be able to buy a car on my own and like Mia said cars are like it's not just buying it it's also like the gas the insurance so it is a big financial responsibility but my one has well I have a few hesitations on getting a car right now mostly that I hate the idea of driving in LA, that stresses me out. I know so many people who have gone into accidents and it's kind of ridiculous like how careless and aggressive people drive here, but the other concern is I don't know if LA is my end goal, so I don't know if I should buy a car here, you know, just to move across the country or move somewhere else and have to think about what to do with that car. Um, and the last thing is I don't have a California driver's license, so I'd have to get that if I want to drive a car here. But... For the most part like the transportation public transportation is fine i live close to my work so while it's a financial goal it's not really a nearsighted financial goal for me
2: i think it's interesting that mia brought up how money can be such a big stressor and it's hard for everyone to figure out your budget your your goals and what you choose to be worth your time because at the end of the day it's a
1: trade-off between time and money that's an interesting point. The time and money, because that actually made me think of um how I'll take a lot of Uber shared rides when it's only like maybe it's like three to five dollars less than a regular Uber ride, but I'm like, yeah, like I'm saving this much money, but in reality I'm spending like half an hour more time in the car. So I think it's it's kind of interesting how people value money. Like you can value money as time or value money as literally the price tag on something.
3: Or just I would say that just I feel like time now is the is the most valuable currency because that's to me it's like like just generally speaking we don't get back time we get back money we don't get back time and so what we decide to do in that time money's kind of like irrelevant
2: I think there's a way that you can have it all and like make it work for yourself like despite me wanting to save for a house and that's a huge financial goal of mine and like that's going to require a lot of work i still think i'm fairly free in how i spend my money like i go to the movies i go to the music festivals i just spend my money how i want and i still feel like i'm working towards the goal so whatever works for you you'll figure it out um and Time is very valuable, so don't let money dictate everything because your
1: happiness is priceless. Wow, that was really insightful. Thank you for that inspiration. So I guess it
2: leads us to our existential crisis, the one question of the day that we kind of like to explore. And we've kind of touched upon it. I'm sure we could get a feel for what we all think. But to what extent does money control our life? Let's just ballpark percentages, and maybe we can go into them further after.
1: A hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah, I feel like money is just... All right, well, since you gave me that reaction, I want to change my answer now.
2: (laughs) No, 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 keep it. 100%. (laughs) Mia, what about you?
3: (laughs) I don't know. I don't think of it as a percentage. It's like life ebbs and flows, and so does your finances, so I don't think there's like a concrete percentage which i would say dictates my life like in that given moment so 50 no i would i would (laughs) because i feel like by admitting how much money controls my life like i'm allowing it to so and i that's what i'm actively don't want to do and so i don't even want to give it a percentage because i don't want to acknowledge that it does control my life because i don't want it to so yeah Na.
2: (laughs) mine is 80 And that's just because I feel like I have financial freedom to do things, but at the same time, at the core, my goals are save money, pay off loans, and those require some degree of focus and discipline.
1: But wouldn't, I would argue that having financial freedom, that's still motivated by money. So is that 100% for me? (laughs) Yes, you must be in the boat with me. I just feel like money dictates a lot of my decisions. Like, I mean, okay. When I say 100%, I'm really just thinking of, like, the most salient points of my life, which is, like, surviving and, you know, existing, and I make money transactions every day. So it's just kind of in that in that perspective. Like, I can't think of a day when I'm not, like, thinking about money, which is... it It sounds bad, like, coming out of my mouth. Like, I see why Mia doesn't want to, like, make it a tangible thing to say how much money controls your life, but it's just, like, everything around us is kind of controlled by money we live in a capitalist like country so like how does it not you know so I think as much as possible it is good to separate you know yourself from money for your happiness and for your well-being like when I hear people talking about their jobs like yeah I get paid like six figures and like I'm so happy I'm like are you happy because if you're telling me that you're happy I don't think you're happy so I think it is important to just take a step back and kind of live by Mia's philosophy of you know living life on your own terms and not thinking about the monetary value on things. And I also wanted to ask you guys, um, do you think that the typical Asian stereotypes on spending and financial motives are true, like for yourselves and maybe for other people that you observe? Like, you know, one is that Chinese people are super frugal and stingy. Do you think that's true to yourself?
2: That's tough. I feel like everyone has an element of frugality to them. No one wants to spend money they don't have. <laughs> so to the extent that it's because I'm Asian, I feel like... I. So I grew up and my my mom and sister would make fun of me and they'd call me pake, which is the Hawaiian word for Chinese. And anything I did, they'd be like, oh, you're so pake. But to the extent that it's because I'm Asian versus it's just human nature, I don't think there's that... like causality factor to my frugality.
3: I like deals though (laughs) like I like getting a good deal so I wouldn't say I'm frugal but I'm always looking for the best option out there which means like anytime I buy something I'm notorious for doing like an obsessive amount of research before I actually make a purchase so that's not frugal so much. I just feel like I like what Cat said. Like I want my money's worth. I want to know if I'm gonna buy something expensive that it's gonna last me or that it's gonna be worth it. So I'm not frugal per se. Like I don't skimp out on you know tips or. I don't think
2: frugal means you're skimpy. I think it means you just choose your money mm. wisely.
3: Yeah, I mean, okay, well, and that then in that with that definition, I would say that I am frugal, but I'm not cheap then because yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't skimp out on, like, small things because they don't mean something to me. Like, if if the bill isn't split exactly even, like, I don't throw a hissy fit about that. But I will say, yeah, whenever I do buy something expensive, um, yeah, the, I do a lot of research to make sure it's going to be worth the price. Which I don't think is Asian. I just, like I said, like Leah said, I just think it's my personality. I think
1: growing up, I'd always... Uh see my dad kind of getting the most out of our money like if I ordered like a soda and I only drank half of it he would literally chug it before we left the restaurant and I would always be like oh my dad's so Chinese you know but I also think that combined with my mom growing up poor has made me like very frugal like my mom as I said before she kind of taught us like not to spend money on like items we really don't need um, she's become a little more flexible as we've grown older but when we we're a little like, we would never really get like toys out of the blue it would only be like on Christmas or so, you know for birthdays but I would say I'm pretty I'm pretty cheap when it comes to myself like I don't like to spend a lot of money on myself but if I go out with my friends I won't buy myself a drink but I'll buy all of them a drink you know like it's just I don't know how that justification works but I feel like it just makes more sense to me to spend money on other people than myself um and then there's also that asian stereotype that you know when the bill comes you fight for it so i don't know if that's like super an asian thing but it seems to be like the stereotype
2: yeah it's a weird double standard like oh asians are so frugal and can be cheap but then at the same time it's like they fight over the bill and they want to pay it's just these weird stereotypes that conflict each other um on the topic of not wasting food though i think that's interesting and i don't know the extent to which it's because i'm asian or maybe something else but i hate wasting food like if i go to a restaurant and let's say i'm like full three quarters of the way i'm gonna shove the next one fourth down my throat like it's not worth it to take home but i can't leave it on the plate like it's just this weird thing i have about wasting food which i think is i associate with money (laughs) like i spent money on the meal i don't want to waste it
1: (laughs) yeah i totally agree when i'm like really stuffed and there's only like a little bit left i'll just eat it And my boyfriend actually pointed out to me once he's like, you know, if if it doesn't like if it doesn't feel good to eat it, why do you still eat it? Like that food's going to be somewhere, whether it's in your stomach or in the trash can. So why not just not eat it and feel like content? And I'm like, no, I have to eat it. There are starving children out there. And also my mom taught me to always finish the food on my plate. So I do feel like really wasteful with food if I don't eat all of it which is kind of a problem honestly yeah
2: i don't know the extent to which that's related to money at all but i think i have a guilty conscience sometimes i'm like oh someone could be eating this now i have well, to I,
3: like- I face this struggle every time i go get pho because when when i go get pho their are small is like 875 or something and they're large is like 950 but it's like a vast different amount of food but it's like for less than a dollar, I could get this much more food. But then I never finished that large. But then when I get the small, I'm like, I, I was stupid. I paid for a small when I could have paid like seventy five cents extra and gotten way more food. And so I always struggle with whether I get the small or get the large because with the large I'm getting more money for my or getting more for my money. So yeah, it's it happens. But
2: yeah, I love it. But to the degree that it makes that it's because we're Asian. I do not think there's any relation. And so while Chinese people might be frugal and there might be that term pake out there that insinuates they're cheap or something (coughs) along those lines, uh, I think those are just your common stereotypes, which we addressed in our last episode, and they really aren't anything specific to how we spend our money.
1: Yeah, I actually watched a TED Talk about why Japanese people... Are better at saving money than Americans so this guy was reasoning something about like the language about how like if a language has like terms for like future and present tense people are more likely to save money because they have a concept of the future whereas if you don't really have like words that describe like like distinguish different like times I guess like past tense future tense present tense then you're less likely to save money just as well which I I kind of didn't agree with and like I actually had this class in Japan and Japanese people who are in my class were like yeah I don't I don't save money well at all I don't know what this guy's talking about so I feel like we'll try to like relate our financial habits to our culture but in 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 the end it's really just about your personality and how you grew up around money
3: I have one last question just because it came up recently in conversation with someone about money, but do you ever feel a pressure, or does it ever cross your mind um, that you'll have to that you should like be out earning your parents one day? Because personally, I never think I'll. I personally don't think I'll ever out earn my mom.
2: I don't think it's a financial comparison for me for me it's more along the lines of education like sometimes i feel guilty that my mom is a lawyer she has a law degree she's like well educated whereas right now i only have my undergrad so i kind of feel that comparison pressure to be on her level academically but i don't think i've ever viewed that financially
1: yeah i've never thought about that ever i do think about where I am in my life right now compared to my parents like I don't I'm not sure my parents got married but you know at this time my dad was in med school and my mom was in grad school and I kind of wonder when their their idea of starting a family and starting a life together began because you know I just that's not on my mind at all but you know my mom had my my older brother when she was 30 and I'm like when I'm 30 and I'm gonna be like oh I should have kids now because I feel like you know, 30 is five years away, but I still feel like that's so soon to be thinking about kids. So that's kind of like how I compare my life to my parents. Not really financially, but just like where I am in that phase of my life. Like, I feel very much still like a kid.
3: Yeah, I just don't think, yeah, like... I think that's a weird, I think that's honestly a weird question. <laughs> like,
2: like your parents are your role models. There's, n- I don't know, to put yourself up to par against like them. are
3: like living up to what they did, basically. Like...
2: But they, why is that a financial metric
3: i actually
1: i can kind of see why that question would be relevant for like first gen people because you know if your family like if your parents came here and like earned something from nothing then you have to earn more from their something i guess
3: it's just more so like yeah i think what kat said was right it's like when you are an immigrant like eventually you're expected to take care of your parents and so there's that expectation that you have had a successful life and that you can afford to take care of them whereas I'm I wouldn't necessarily call myself like I didn't grow up that way so my mom was very successful in her given profession and I just don't think that I will ever reach that personally level of like monetary success
1: yeah it kind of freaks me out to think about like if I want to start a family right now I'm really happy with how much I make but I have to make like way more money if i'm gonna have children like that children are just such a financial burden like thanks thanks to my parents for paying for everything but that's really crazy like even leah brought up in the beginning of the episode like we really only have ourselves to take care of so right now we're really like financially stable and comfortable but once you add another person to the picture like even just having like a spouse to like share yeah or a pet Um, that you have to like factor into your financial decisions, that's really stressful. That's like looking into the future. And for now, we really only have ourselves to worry about. So moving forward, I'm going to try to be more like Mia and stop assigning so much monetary value to things. And I'm also kind of going for with Leah's thought too on spending more on experiences because that's really, you know, what makes life enjoyable.
2: Yeah, we hope that a little insight into our perspectives on money and how we spend it will if not relate to you, give you another perspective because I feel like more often than not people avoid talking about money. It's always danced around and it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to figure out what works for you and that comes with trial and error, but you are not alone in this journey. So thanks for listening to us. Make sure to follow us on yappyhour.podcast on Instagram. Leave us any questions, comments, comments, um, and we look forward to interacting with you in our next episode. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thank you.